0: Yeah. Well, let's pray and we'll dig into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's, it's alive. And Lord, we just pray that it would minister to every heart that is here. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. As we listen to Paul's last will and testament, as he's about to lose his life for the sake of the gospel, I pray that those words would pierce our hearts as well. And Lord, I do pray for those who are sick in our fellowship, your healing touch upon them. We pray for the rest of us so you would keep us safe. Lord, be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. by the way, the youth groups dismissed if they haven't left yet. Junior high and high schoolers, hit on back. All right. If you have your outline, grab it. So I titled the message. We're going to look briefly at the first five verses, which I looked at four weeks ago. We'll look at that briefly to catch you up and look at the rest of the chapter. But to give us back context, Paul is in prison. Paul is days, weeks, months away from losing his life. Paul's writing this letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, who is pastoring a church in Ephesus. And the church is facing great persecution to the point where Christians are being fed to lions. Christians are being set on fire. Caesar Nero had burnt Rome to the ground and blamed it on the Christians. So the Christians were absolutely under attack and it would have been very easy to go and hide and to be fearful. And we see throughout the text that Paul is exhorting Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That we're not to allow the circumstances of life to cause us as Christians to live in fear. But we were called to live by faith. Can I get an amen to that? Now, we need to use wisdom, and I'm not saying, again, that anybody who necessarily stays home is fearful. But we also want to follow the example that, guys, we can be so afraid of the temporal, we can miss out on impacting the eternal. Amen? And we need to be mindful that the most important thing in this world is that people get to come to know Jesus. Amen? The Great Commission is to fulfill that. So here's the five points we're going to look at. The first one will be briefer because we already covered it. So living for the Lord in the last days, how should we respond in the midst of outward persecution and inward apathy? We've got a hostile world in in these days when this was written and an apathetic church. Kind of sounds like California in 2021. Amen. It's a hostile world. But it's a lukewarm church. First, stand for the truth. We'll talk about that. Preach the truth with boldness. Fight the good fight. Find comfort in fellowship and the word of God. Love others enough to warn those that would... Uh, about to warn people who, are, who could come to harm and to forgive those that could let you down and then find strength in the Lord's presence, deliverance, and its heavenly promise. So we're gonna begin there in verse one through five. We'll go through that fairly quickly and then we'll go much more in depth when we get to verse six moving forward. So it says there, and this is the apostle Paul writing from prison. Again, this is the final chapter. At the end of this chapter, he puts his pen down. He doesn't write any more of the Bible after that. And these are his final words. We need to pay attention. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance, as appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. He doesn't say, hey, Timothy, you could lose your life to lions. Go hide. Hey, Timothy, Christians are under attack. We need to reel it in a little bit for a while and wait till things calm down. He doesn't do that at all. Paul's charge to Timothy in the face of both hostility from the government and the world and apathy from the church was to preach the word with great boldness. He was not to alter the message to make it more palatable. He was not to change the word of God so he could be more popular. We're called to make disciples, not draw a crowd. Amen? Now, again, you can draw a crowd while making disciples, but we never want to water down the word of God so that we can be more popular with men, not to cater to the lost audience and what they wanted to hear. I get these all the time. I get things in the mail. How to double the size of your church in three months. You know, how to grow your church, how to do this. And it's always go around the neighborhood and And get a survey and ask the people what they want in a church and then give them that. So if they want a petting zoo, I guess you have a petting zoo. If they want, you know, the flying one Linda's, then you bring in the flying one Linda's. If they want, you know, catered breakfast, then that's what you do. You know what you're doing? You're feeding the flesh. You're not proclaiming the truth of the gospel. Amen. And so we're not to cater to the world. We're to preach the truth with boldness and do it in love. We're to deliver the simple and direct truth as God has given it to us. Only one watching whose favor we should be concerned with is the Lord. You know who's at every service? The Lord. You know who's at every service? The Holy Spirit. You know the only one we should be worried about being faithful to is him. Can I get an amen? And so it's not going to be about Making it the, be- the message again that makes you feel warm and fuzzy when you leave on Sunday. You know what? We should feel warm and fuzzy to know that Jesus Christ suffered and died that we might have eternal life. Can I get an amen to that? That should give us peace and comfort and great joy. But we also should walk away convicted because we all need to change our lives. There's things about all of us that need to change. Can I get an amen to that? It's not about popularity with men, but faithfulness to God. The word preached there is to herald. It's a messenger who simply relays his ruler's words. So a herald was somebody where the king gave him something to say, and he went out and said it verbatim. He didn't change it. He didn't interpret it. He didn't water it down. He didn't try to make it more palatable. He just repeated it word for word. Guys, isn't that what we're called to do with the Bible? Amen. We don't change it. We don't alter it. We don't make it more palatable because, guys, you can't improve on the Bible. Amen? Look, I'm going to step on some toes. I know a lot of people love the Constitution. The Constitution's great. Guess what? It's toast compared to the Word of God. I'm far more concerned with preaching this with boldness. Amen? I'm tired of pastors who quote the Constitution more than they quote the Bible. Amen? And again, Constitution's great. Praise God for the freedoms that we have in this country. But far before I'm an American, I'm a Christian. Amen? And my faithfulness is to the throne of grace. And we are to preach the truth with boldness and be unashamed of the Bible. You know what? If we'd have a little more of God's word and a little less history and politics at church today, maybe more people would get saved. Amen? Amen? And again, we should vote. We should do all those things. But we've learned real quickly that our faith and our hope is not in our government. It's in Jesus Christ. And guys, we need to keep preaching Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead. We don't change the word. We don't water it down. But we we proclaim it with boldness and authority. Now, again, not just from the word, but the whole counsel of God. The Apostle Paul said earlier in Acts chapter 20, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not failed to declare to you the whole counsel of God. It was the first ever pastor's conference. It was the church in Ephesus. All the pastors came together and he proclaimed to them that he was innocent because he had proclaimed the whole counsel of God, which means if we don't proclaim the whole counsel of God, we're guilty. Amen? Amen. That's why we don't do 7 steps to financial freedom and 3 ways to overcome your anger and beaver doesn't live here anymore the series. We're not doing that. The roller coaster ride of life and you're the missing puzzle piece. We're not doing that. We're going to teach the Bible, amen, because we got 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents in three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. We know that's only possible because God wrote it. We don't have enough time to teach this Bible. If we taught it every day for the next 1,000 years, we couldn't get everything out of it that we need. Can I get an amen to that? So we're going to keep preaching God's word. And that was the exhortation to Timothy. Don't hide. Preach it with boldness. Don't water it down. Preach it with boldness. Don't change it. Be faithful to what the word of God says. Here's the things he had said to him just in 2 Timothy. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. He said, hold fast to the pattern of sound words. He said, the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. He said, rightly dividing the word of truth. He said, a servant of the Lord must be able to teach. He also said that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. What was testimony? What was Timothy to preach? The whole counsel of God. And you know what? We need more of that in churches today. Amen. You know, one of the things I'm praying for with COVID, I pray the churches that don't teach the word of God, go bankrupt and close. I'm praying that seriously. And then let's move some people into those buildings that will preach the Bible. Can I get an amen? You know, God can take what Satan means for evil and God can use it for good. And God knew this was coming and God's in control and we can trust Him. So preach the word. So when do we preach it? says, be ready in season and out of season. You know what that means? When it's easy and when it's not. When people want to hear it and when they don't. When it's eagerly received and when it's rejected. Any time of day or night, any time of year, under any and all circumstances, preach the word. God bless Dana. I'm getting texts. I've been texting her. And she's sharing her faith every day with people in the hospital. Guys, everything that we go through, no suffering is wasted. Can I get an amen? And whatever trials we go through in life, God brings them into our path for a reason. I've been able to witness to so many of my coworkers during this time while I've been at home. They're all texting me. And I've been able to witness to so many of them. Why? Because we, when, when you're going through difficulty, it opens up the door and an opportunity to point people to where your hope lies. And our hope is in Christ. Amen? He is the great physician. Three elements of preaching. He goes on. He says, convince as an element of correction, it means to correct false teaching and sinful living. By the way, if you want to live a sinful life, you can do that, but you can't walk in fellowship with God at the same time. You either live in rebellion or in fellowship, choose one. And part of the exhortation to Timothy was from Paul was to convince and admit to call out false teaching and just stand up. For the truth, rebuke to admonish those living in rebellion and unrepentant sin who've become comfortable in it. I pray if you're comfortable in your sin this morning, that the Lord would convict you right now that that needs to change. Amen. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end, it leads to death. You're missing out if you're living a life of compromise and you've got a pet sin you're hanging on to. You know it if right now. If that's who you are, the Holy Spirit's convicting you right now. And you need to respond to that and let that go. Can I get an amen to that? We need to pursue holiness before the Lord. I've been gone for four weeks, so it's coming. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Not only convince, rebuke, but exhort. The word exhort there means to encourage, invite, invoke, implore to action. Those who have grown weary to living holy and to stand for the Lord. I know it's been a tough year. I know that we've gone through a lot of things. I know people have lost jobs. We've had people get sick. We have a lot of people who are living in fear right now. I know a lot's going on. We've had some radical stuff in our government. All those things have happened. Here's the good news. We need to remember that we do not grow weary in well-doing. Again, that our God is greater still. We are called to be salt and light. It is such a time as this that God placed us upon the earth. Amen? Amen. And we do not want to waste this time. We don't want to miss out on the opportunities we're being given right now. Lord, help us to be salt and light. And he called him to exhort, to encourage, invoke, and implore people to action. And notice he says there, uh, with all long suffering. Here's the reality. As believers, we need to learn to be patient. Can I get an amen to that? Anybody besides me struggle with being patient sometimes? And so... We need to do all things with long suffering. God's will is done in God's time. Amen. We need to be faithful today and trust that God's will will come about in his perfect timing. In the last year, we've moved three times as a church. You guys are the most intelligent people. You keep finding us. God bless you guys. But we keep moving. But the reality is, is God good? Does God know what he's doing? Praise God for Hillcrest. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise God for this school. I'm going to be meeting with uh, Tony this week about us moving here permanently and then building a gym for us to meet in. So be praying about that. Can I get an amen? Amen. So look, God knows what he's doing. God's not surprised by anything. There's peace in the sovereignty of God. And we need to have long, be long-suffering. Be faithful and leave the results up to the Lord. And then he said, and teaching. The true preaching is the explanation and application of the word of God. The word of God is the standard. Timothy was warned that biblical truth would be resisted even among those professing to be Christians. Time would come when they would not endure sound doctrine. When professing Christians would not want their lives measured by the word of God and will not put up with that, which brings conviction by showing shining a light on their sinful behavior. I don't care what the world does. It's irrelevant. What does the word of God say? And we we have fallen to the trap as Christians. Well, that's what the world does. Well, hey, it's 2021. Hey, we're not living, you know, in the 1950s. Yeah, sleep, leave you know, sleeping around, being with your girlfriend, getting drunk—all these things that we think are okay because the world does it. The world is not our standard. Jesus Christ is, and we need to live lives of holiness, set apart unto the Lord. So the world's going to raise up teachers who will tell people what they want to hear according to their own desires and lusts. and rather than being changed by the word will attempt to change the word to fit their desires. What about this knucklehead who ended a prayer with amen and then a woman? <laughs> Lord help. Just so ridiculous. And this guy claims he's a reverend. First of all, if they got a reverend in front of their name, I'm worried about him already. Can I get an amen? Because we revere Jesus. We don't revere men. When I get something in the mail that says, Reverend Dave Johnston, I know that person does not know me. Can I get an amen? And the reality is that we're living in a time where people are taking the word of God and they don't get it. But guys, here's, here's who should get it. Everybody who's here right now. God gives you divine appointments and you not only should know the word of God, but be in love with the God of the word. And as you are, those divine appointments will come and we need to know what the word of God says. So when someone says something as foolish as a woman, that we can stand up and correct it from the word of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Or when someone's preaching a false gospel, or when the word of God's being quoted out of context. Guys, we are called to be the messengers. Amen? We're called to be salt and light. Rather than being changed by the word of God, they'll attempt to change the word. But then he says there at the end of it, time will come when they will not preach sound doctrine. And then he says, but you, Timothy. Timothy's called to be different. Amen? In contrast to the false teachers and the ear ticklers, he was to preach the good news of the gospel. Sinful men redeemed back to holy God through the shed blood of our Savior on the cross. He then tells them to fulfill his calling. Be faithful to the calling that's been placed upon your life. He says, you know, fulfill your ministry, right? Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Don't be swayed by the crowds following the false teachers or the persecution and affliction that comes from a hostile world or the indifference of people who are apathetic. But you be faithful to do what God's called you to do. You serve God when nobody else will. You stand for the things of God when nobody else wants to. Do not be swayed or watered down. The truth. So first he tells them there in verses 1 through 5 to stand fast, to stand for the truth of God's word, even when those around you are walking away, who are following a lie. I can make this promise to you until God takes me to heaven. It'll always happen here. I promise you. We're going to preach the whole counsel of God. Amen. And we're going to teach it without compromise. And we're going to do it in love. You know my six word philosophy of ministry. It's preach the word. Love the people. I want you to be the best fed and most loved people on the planet. By the way, Pastor Doug and Pastor Joshua and Pastor Tim all did a great job while I was gone. Amen? And I'm thankful for faithful assistant pastors who are going to get up here. doesn't matter who's here. You know what you're going to get when you get here. Can I get an amen? I promise you. Point number two. Fight the good fight. Again, Paul, sitting in prison, could have been playing, woe is me, could have told Timothy to come and hang out with him and hide out. What does he say? Verse six, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. The word for means therefore seeing his Following words explain the reason for the level of intensity in the passage why is he exhorting why is he exhorting Timothy so much? Why is he convinced rebuke, exhort, preach the word Do, you know god 's not giving you a spirit of fear? Why is he being so exhortive because Paul knows his days are numbered, and Paul knows he 's not going to be there to counsel young Timothy for much longer, and he wants to give him. These words, he wants to exhort him because he knows that he's about to stand before the king of kings and the Lord of lords. His following words, again, explain the reason. The exhortation comes from a sense of urgency. So already, what has he told him? Preach the word. Always be ready. Convince, rebuke, exhort, teach with all longsuffering, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Here's the sad part. Some people, maybe you get COVID and then you're mad at God. Or maybe you lost your job because of COVID and we get mad at God. Guys, the last thing we should do is ever get mad at God. We should always run to God. We should always be praising God no matter what the circumstances. And that's exactly what we see here in the Apostle Paul. He's saying, I, I'm telling you this, Timothy, I'm not going to be around much longer. Then he says, I'm already being poured out. Paul knew that his time was short. Actions that would bring about his soon death were already in motion. He was about to go on trial in Rome. Again, already being poured out The word as, as a drink offering. I love this. I love the Old Testament. By the way, we'll be back in 1 Kings chapter 11 this Thursday. Come on out. Please come on out. The Old Testament rocks. Can I get an amen? He says, being poured out as a drink offering. In the Old Testament, the drink offering was poured out on the burnt offering. The burnt offering is when they sacrificed the entire animal. They could, it was entirely consumed. And they would pour a drink offering out on top of it. And the drink offering, the wine that was poured out on top of it, would sizzle on top. And then it would evaporate. And it would create a sweet-smelling aroma. So, as the, 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 so imagine, you know, barbecue. Amen. And the sweet smelling aroma and then the drink offering. And so it was fully consumed. So the burnt offering was fully consumed. The drink offering was fully consumed. And what he's saying is I'm being poured out as a drink offering. Paul's life is being fully consumed. Paul's life is coming to an end. But Paul's life, much like a drink offering, is a sweet-smelling aroma in the presence of our Savior. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about that? Is your life a sweet-smelling aroma in the presence of our Savior? Do we live in such a way that it brings glory and honor to his name? He's signifying that though the sacrifice came at a high price, it was a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. He says they're being poured out. Marty being poured out has the idea of completely giving with no reservation. The, again, the liquid completely emptied from the cup, totally giving to the Lord in the, it's being poured out in a present tense. Paul is freely and willingly laying down his life for the cause of Christ. Paul's heart and attitude in life. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It just makes sense because we know the Lord to lay down our lives completely for him. Can I get an amen to that? It makes sense. It's logical. He laid down his life for us. It makes sense for us to lay down our lives for him. And too often we'll lay down our lives unless it costs us something. It's just as evident that he was closing in on heaven. You know, death for Paul and for believers is not something to be feared, but something to be looked forward to. In the last couple of weeks, I've had several people that were close to my family go to heaven. Got a call from the, when I was in high school, my best friend in high school. I basically spent half my life at their house. He spent half of his life at mine. And they were like my second parents. And they we're not saved at the time. They ended up getting saved at Calvary Chapel Santa Cruz where I pastored and became very involved in the church. And his father just passed away just very recently. And I was talking to his, his wife on the phone about when he and I and she were standing in the tomb, the empty tomb in Israel and how Jesus is a risen and living savior. And as Christians, we die well because we close our eyes on earth and we open them up in glory. Can I get an amen? And so for believers, death has no sting. And again, we need to be faithful and good stewards. And I'm not saying be reckless, but at the same time, we should not fear death. Amen? Amen. Because death has no sting. One of my life's verses is is Paul wrote, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Paul didn't fear death, but he longed for heaven. See, we shouldn't be looking at death as the end of this life, but the transformation to the place we all should desire to be. Amen? Heaven is is better. Amen? And when we recognize that, we don't operate in fear. The word offering there notes one giving of something again freely and willingly. Paul gave his life freely to the Lord. You know, Paul could have quit so many times, day and night in the deep, shipwrecks, beatings. I mean, everywhere that brother went, there was revival or a riot, and often both. Amen? And he never quit. He never gave up. It was never even a thought. Why? Because he recognized and had an eternal perspective. He says that the time of my departure is at hand. It's not the end. It's just moving on. Notice departure. I love that word in Greek. I love this, man. I love when you study the Bible, you take the time to look at the words in original language. The word is used for loosening the ropes when you're taking down a tent or raising the ship's anchor, releasing the lines when it leaves the dock. And I love that because Paul was a tent maker. And he said, my time of departure, the time for me to fold up this tent is at hand. The time for the to pull up the anchor and sail away into heaven. Is at hand. It also speaks of removing uh, a yoke from oxen after they've been working hard and allowing them to freely graze. Boy, I love that picture as well. Paul has lived his life for the Lord. He's poured his life out for Jesus Christ, and he would be able to. He's going to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. And that should be the heart of every believer. What a perfect description of what was about to take place in this apostle and tent maker and mighty man of God. He was about to pull up stakes and leave behind the temporary tent and set sail for his real and permanent home. You guys know we're just visiting here, right? You guys know we're just aliens here. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. Paul at this point is like a man standing again at the end of the dock with a boarding pass in his hand and he just can't wait to hear all aboard. Amen. He was ready to go to heaven. Come on home, son. Christians die well. In fact, we don't die. We just move to a much better neighborhood. So Paul's saying, look, I'm being poured out. My departure is at hand. But notice what he's able to say about his life. And this was a challenge to me as I was studying this this week. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There are few things more heartbreaking to see someone who's walking with the Lord and then something happens in life, and they get derailed, and they, they cease to pursue God with their whole heart, and often they don't finish well. We see it throughout Scripture. People that start well get derailed and do not finish strong. But Paul could say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. As Christians, we must recognize that we are indeed involved in a spiritual battle. Guys, it's not easy living here because we're in a spiritual battle. Amen? And the trials of life that come our way have to go through the hand of God first, but God allows it for a reason. The Bible tells us we battle not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities and evil forces of darkness in high places. The word fought there is where we get the word agonize in Greek. It says I've agonized. Serving God is always right, but it's not always easy. Amen. Doing what is right is rarely easy and doing what is easy is rarely right. Amen. And so sharing your faith isn't always easy, but it's what we're called to do. Uh, making a stand for the Lord when nobody else will, is not always easy. Being the one in the crowd that speaks the truth when everybody else is following after a lie. Being faithful to use the gifts God's given you. By the way, for me, that is easy because I can't imagine doing anything else. Can I get an Amen. It's a get to, not a have to. I can't imagine. Three weeks of not teaching the Bible, I was like a caged animal. The word father means to contend with strenuous zeal in the midst of danger and difficulty against a mighty adversary. Paul had indeed fought with great zeal in the midst of great danger and difficulty against sin in the world, against the flesh and the devil, the false teachers, the false gods, the hypocrisy in the church, and for the truth of the gospel. Paul was unashamed, a defender of God's word, a bold proclaimer of the truth, regardless of the opposition. Lord, let us be those people, amen? Let us be those people. It says, I finished the race. Paul had been faithful to the very end. Told you that my dad and I, every, you know, my dad's been in heaven for three and a half years um, where there's no time. So for him, it might feel like three minutes. I don't know. But every phone call we finished with, finished strong. My dad was in his eighties and he was still doing ministry and it was finished strong. Even after my dad was blind, he would get phone calls to an 800 number that he could answer. And he took the 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. shift where people would call in with questions about Jesus. And my blind dad would be sitting in his office at three o'clock in the morning, six months before he went to heaven, telling people about the Lord. That's called finishing strong. Can I get an amen? And the apostle Paul had finished strong. I have finished the race like a a disciplined athlete striving for the prize, body under subjection, not easily swayed by either difficulties or distractions. Again, either your fleshly desires will lead the spirit or the Holy Spirit within you will keep the flesh in check. You fight a battle every day between the spirit and the flesh, and which one wins the battle? The one you feed the most. Amen? Amen. Spend time in God's word, you're going to have victory over your flesh. If you walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have victory over your flesh. Sadly, so many would be mighty men and women of God, run well for a while, but leave the race in pursuit of worldly pleasures or get drawn away by the enemy and their testimony is destroyed. The Bible's filled with it. He said, I have kept the faith. I've kept the faith. Surrounded by an ungodly, hostile world. Immorality, idolatry, persecution, beatings, stonings, prisons, trials, false accusations, shipwrecks, weariness, toil, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst cold, nakedness, a lukewarm church filled with false teachers, self-righteous hypocrites, fearful companions, and those who would desert him in times of difficulty. And the midst of all of that, he never gave up. You know, that's only possible if you're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. Guys, the only way It's not us trying harder. It's not us being better. There needs to be less of us and more of him. And we need to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Through it all, Paul had remained steadfast. He'd been a good steward of that which was entrusted to him. What kind of steward are you with the gift God's given you? Are you using it? Are you serving others? Are you ministering to people? Here's why churches being closed for a year and a half makes no sense to me. If we can be closed for a year and not be missed, then it's not a church. Can I get an amen? Amen. We have gifts. You have gifts that I don't have. You minister to me. I minister to you. That's how the body of Christ works. Amen? Amen. And that's why it's significant. Paul remained faithful. Certain of his imminent death, he was content with his record of service. Have you ever thought about standing before the Lord? Now, as believers, we will not be at the judgment seat because we've been forgiven, but we will be what is called at the Bema seat. And we will stand before God accountable for how faithful we've been with the gifts he's given us. Do you ever think about that? I think about it all the time. I think about standing before the Lord. and I know I will have fallen short. But as I stand before him, I I think about the things he will say to me. And it will be too late then to change it, but it's not too late now. And so it gives me a a sense of urgency to take that vapor of time that we've got and to be faithful because I want to stand before the Lord one day and be given rewards I don't deserve. Can I get an amen? And we should desire that. The word of God calls us. Verse eight. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Paul was not only certain of his imminent death, But he was content with his record of service, but was also confident the reception he would receive from his Savior. I think people fear death because we lose sight. What do you think the first 15 seconds in heaven are going to be like? Can I get an amen? Do you know you're going to hug your Savior? Anybody excited about that besides me? There's this painting. I know it's created, but it says the first 15 seconds in heaven and it shows a girl just embracing Jesus with her both arms. Man, I long to see my Savior face to face. Man, I can't wait. And the Apostle Paul's heart here is there's a crown of righteousness for me in heaven. The word crown there, this is a God thing. Tell me the Bible doesn't rock. There's two different words that can be used for crown. One of them is Stephanos. Stephanos is a crown that you earn. It's a It's a victor's crown for winning a race. But I love that it's Stephanos. Because the Apostle Paul held the coats while they stoned Stephen. Stephen. And the fact that he uses the word Stephanos, he's being given a victor's crown. So man who once held coats while they martyred a man of God when he was going after Christians has now earned A Stephanos, a victor's crown. You know what that tells me? No matter what we've done in our past, no matter who we were before we came to know Christ, as new creations in Christ, all those things have been washed away and we can be rewarded for the people we've become in him. Can I get an amen to that? Isn't that good to know that your sins been separated as far as the east is from the west? This crown is also a picture of God's grace because before Paul was a Christian, he was a man who held coats while they executed believers. He says there, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also who have loved his appearing. Do you love his appearing? Are you excited about his appearing? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. I loved the seventies, man. It was Maranatha all the time. And we lived every day in light of the fact that he could be coming. Well, guess what? We're closer now. And with what's going on in the world, it looks like we're even closer, doesn't it? But here's the good news: I'm so thankful, because heaven is better, because Jesus is coming, the rapture's coming, then we will then rule and reign with Him upon the earth for a thousand years. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. A murderer when the greatest enemies of Christianity can be touched and transformed and one day receive a crowd of righteousness. So too can you and I which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. Paul envisioned an award ceremony. Again, from the one he once persecuted, Paul was about to be condemned and executed in an earthly court, but he was going to be rewarded by the Lord. Again, imagine Jesus putting a crown on your head. I can't even imagine. A thought that should humble us and make us all feel unworthy. Amen? Well, Lord... It is something we should strive for. By the way, we should be crowning him, not crowning him, crowning us. Amen. Revelation four says the elders who surround the throne of God, take their crowns and, crowns and cast them before his feet. And most people believe whatever we receive, we will take and throw back at his feet. I certainly don't want to be empty-handed when it comes time to throw crowns at his feet. Can I get an amen? Yet God has no problem motivating us with heavenly rewards. Guys, It it will be worth it. We must... Hang in there now because God will reward us even though we don't deserve it. Our ultimate reward is not here and now. You know, here's what I hear Christians say a lot. Why is that person who lives such an ungodly life so blessed and I struggle so much? And usually when they say that, because this person has a big house and a good job and a nice car and they go on vacations around the world. And they, they say, but I struggle so much. Here's the verse for you, Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart will be also. Where's your treasure? When you wake up in the morning, what are you thinking about? When you live every day, what is the passion of your life? Notice what he says here. And not only me, but all those who love his appearing, this promise is not only for Paul, but it's for us. The word "love his appearing." What do you think that word is? Tagape. The crown of righteousness is God's reward for faithful and righteous life. And our incentive for faithfulness and holiness is the promise of the Lord's appearing. because Paul loved his appearing and looked forward to it. He lived righteously and he served faithfully. Let me say that one more time, because Paul was excited about seeing the Lord. He served faithfully and he lived righteously. That should be our anticipation every day. May we live every day in light of his soon return. So not only stand for the truth, but fight the good fight, but find comfort in fellowship and in the word of God. It says, be diligent to come to me quickly for Demas has forsaking me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Now, This is now his kind of end of this of his writing. And he's going to be greeting some people and mentioning some people. But he says, be diligent to come to me quickly. The word diligent there means make haste, exert oneself to come to me quickly. Paul's saying, I don't know how much longer I live, but Timothy, brother, I want to see you before I go. You know what? Just three weeks away from this fellowship was heartbreaking for me because I miss you guys. And you know, when we come together, we're a family coming together. Can I get an amen? Yes. Every time we come together, this is a family reunion. We're the body of Christ and we long for fellowship. And the enemy wants us to think we can stay home and hide. And again, if you have a pre-existing condition, do it. But what I'm saying, or if you're sick, do it. But I'm saying you cannot just be out of fellowship for a year and not have an impact or walk with God. Can I get an amen to that? You can't be out of fellowship for a month and not have an impact, have an impact on, on your relationship with the Lord. And he's saying, look, I don't know how much longer I have. You know, sometimes we think of Paul and we think the dude's superhuman. Can, I get, can anybody get an amen to that? You know, you just think this guy, man, he, you know, he, gets, he gets stoned to death and goes back in the city and starts preaching again. Dude, that guy, that guy's crazy for Jesus. Can I get an amen? But you know what? Paul was a real man. And Paul was a man who longed for fellowship. And he writes, you know, this man of God was not superhuman. He was lonely. He needed and wanted companionship. How many of you guys get lonely sometimes? Don't we need fellowship? Isn't it a blessing? One of my best friends from, uh, she's been, I mean, he might be my best friend. We were, we've been friends since high school. Different, another different guy called me last night. We talked on the phone for an hour. I haven't, you know, I hardly get to see him anymore. And he got saved in my parents' kitchen. My mom led him to the Lord. And we talked about the Lord for an hour. And it was just the sweetest fellowship. Because guys, when we have Jesus in common, we got everything in common. Amen? Amen? And there's just something precious about being with other people that love the Lord. And you know, Christianity is not for the Lone Ranger. The enemy loves to isolate us. Paul is nearing his death. And he desired fellowship with his son in the faith. Paul longed for fellowship. And so should we. Amen? He says, Demas, fellow worker has forsaken me. The word forsaken is deserted, left helpless, and totally abandoned. You know, it's sad to me when I will meet people who used to walk with the Lord, and then you find out they've walked away from God. Had this happened a couple months ago, and a guy that was real active in our church in Santa Cruz, and I was saying, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? And some people said, oh yeah, he walked away from the Lord like four or five years ago, hasn't been to church married an unbeliever is walked away from God. Man, what a heartbreak. And that's what Demas had done. Because he loved this present world, he forsook Paul out of love for the world and ease and safety and the comforts of home. He was unwilling to make any sacrifices for the kingdom of God. He didn't want to be associated with somebody who was sold out for the Lord because he knew being associated with him would cost him something. So he forsook the call of God upon his life. For the pleasures of this world. And that's an epidemic in the church today. Can I get an amen to that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things. He had abandoned him. He'd gone to Thessalonica, which was a great distance away. And many scholars believe it was where it was his hometown. He abandoned his friend rather than be brave. Here's what happens. Here's one of my favorite verses in the Bible A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. You know, you find out who really loves you. When everyone else is running away, they're running in. Amen. When, when you're going through a difficult time, they're the ones that pick up the phone and call you. By the way, so many people sent me cards, texted me, sent me medicine ideas, brought me bone broth. Can I get an amen? People are blessing me, but we all ought to be blessing everybody in this fellowship. Can I get an amen to that? But what a blessing that is because we're family. Amen. And you find out those that love you the most are the ones running towards you when, most, when the world may be running away from you. Time when, most, when Paul needed a friend, Demas bailed. He chose the world over a godly calling. I can think of nothing sadder to be said about somebody. It says, Crescens uh, left for Galatia and Titus for Dalmatia. Now, the context on these, when you read in the original language, they didn't desert Paul. They, they were moved for ministry. So they left Paul behind and were doing ministry and God was using them. But Paul was still alone. And we're going to see Luke was with him. But he longed to see his son in the faith, Timothy. It says there also Titus for Dalmatia. We know Titus is a faithful man. If you're here next Sunday, we'll be in Titus chapter 1. It's Paul's letter to Titus who was written before Second Timothy. And Titus too was uh, a young pastor who he ministered to. He says in verse 11, only Luke is with me. Paul's companion. You know what? You know what's amazing? In Paul's last days, he's hanging out with Luke. Who are the two guys that God used to write most of the New Testament? Paul and Luke. Can I get an amen? If you count words, Luke wrote more. Because Luke wrote uh, the book of Acts and the gospel of Luke. If you count books, Paul wrote more. But can you imagine, hey, is it, would you like to hang out with those two for a while? Wouldn't that be amazing? Amen. And these two men of God were, were hanging out together at the end of his life. Luke, who had traveled with Paul on many missionary journeys, remained with Paul in his time of need and suffering. And then he says this as he's encouraging him to come and see him before he passes away. Here's some great words as we're finishing up says, Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is useful for me for ministry. Is that a turnaround? Yeah, if you guys know the Bible, the apostle Paul was no joke. Can I get an amen to that? And when the apostle Paul was out doing ministry, he was about it. And Barnabas had, had been traveling with him and they brought Mark with them. Brought the gospel of Mark. Brought Mark with him. Well, Mark... During the missionary journey, bailed. It got hard and he left. So the next missionary journey they were gonna go on, Barnabas wanted to bring Mark again. He's like, you know, Pastor Day paraphrase: leave that wimpy sniveler home. I'm not taking him with me. Leave that dude home. I want no part of that guy. He bailed out last time. He's weak. Leave him home. And Barnabas ended up parting from Paul and taking Mark with him. Don't you love that at the end of his life, Paul refers to Mark and says of Mark, bring him with you for he is useful for me. Isn't it good to know that God can bring restoration to relationships that have fallen apart? Can I get an amen to that? Isn't it good to know that somebody like Mark who once bailed had become a mighty man of God? That's a word of exhortation for all of us. We may have failed in the past, but it doesn't mean God won't use us. In the future. Get Mark and bring him to me. Mark, the nephew again of Barnabas. When ministry got tough, he had once gone home. But he had grown into a mighty man of God. He's not. He'd once said, send him away. And now he's calling for him. Verse 12. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Often used to send messengers to find out about churches. And Tychicus is mentioned in Ephesians 6, Galatians 4, and Titus 3. He's always going out to check on churches and bring back uh, what's happening to the Apostle Paul. He may have sent Tychicus to send up Timothy to come and visit him in Rome. Verse 13, I love this. Bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus at Troas, and when you come, the books, especially the parchments. First of all, He's not superhuman. Bring me the cloak. You know what a cloak is? It's a big overcoat. And, what, and what's happened is Paul is in jail in a dark, cold cave. And he says, when you come, I left a coat. Could you bring it to me? But you know what he wanted even more than the coat? Look what it says. What does it say? Bring the books, especially the parchments. What books do you think he's talking about? The Bible. The Bible. Paul knows he's going to heaven. He knows his days are numbered. He's sitting in a frozen cave, in a jail cell, about to lose his life. And what does he want? God's word. And I love that. The guys, when we're going through difficulties and trials, the word of God should be a source of comfort and encouragement. Can I get an amen? Parchments is the word of God. It's the Old Testament scriptures. Maybe even been some of the words of Jesus. And Paul's awaiting his death. He's not moaning. He's not complaining. He wants to spend time in God's word. He wants to warm his body, but more importantly, warm his spirit. Can I encourage you, if you're depressed or discouraged, open your Bible? If you're having a difficult time, open your Bible. If you're distracted, open your Bible. If you don't feel as close to the Lord as you used to be, open your Bible. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. the word of God. So Paul's treasure. Paul didn't say, bring me the photos, bring me this, bring me that. Bring me that. Bring me God's Word. If you were on a desert island, you could have one possession. What would it be? It says, Alexander the, co- the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Wow. Paul mentioned Alexander as the one whose faith had suffered shipwreck. And now he warns Timothy about him. And he said, he did me much harm. He informed many things against me. He was perhaps a traitor and a false accuser against Paul in his Roman hearings. And he says, may the Lord repay him guys. Vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. Amen. We don't need to take vengeance. Put them in God's hands. Let them take care of them. 1 Timothy, it says, Of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Alexander has been a thorn in Paul's side and the enemy of God for quite some time. Paul seeks no vengeance, but delivers unto the Lord. Verse 15. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted the word our words. So find comfort in fellowship, but also love others enough to warn them about those who would bring them harm. He's warning Timothy as he's about to die that Alexander, as my dad used to say, was a scoundrel. Alexander was a guy who brought harm to the cause of Christ. And he's warning him ahead of time that this is a guy you need to be leery of. Beware of him. At my first defense, no one stood with me. All forsook me. But it May it not be charged against them. Look what he said. When I was falsely accused, nobody stood with me. When I was put on trial, nobody stood with me. But notice what he says. This sounds a lot like our Savior. May it not be charged against them. The Apostle Paul was a man who was a man of grace because he was a man who had received grace. He that's been forgiven much loves much. Amen? Amen. May it not be charged. Father, forgive them, though they lacked Paul's courage. Guys, let's not judge other people's walks based on what we think they should be. Can I get an amen to that? I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm so concerned about my walk. I don't have time to be judging yours. Can I get an amen to that? Now, as a pastor, I may exhort you. I may encourage you. I may even have to rebuke you sometimes. But that all comes from a heart of love, and it's not something I look forward to doing. But I think as believers, we need to spend our time focusing on our walk with the Lord and be the men and women that God's called us to be. Again, we must not expect everyone to be in the same place where we are spiritually. Finally, last point there. Find the strength, the Lord's presence, deliverance, and heavenly promise. So his days are numbered. He's about to stand before the Lord. He says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me that all the Gentiles might hear also I delivered also that I was delivered out of the mouths of lions. Paul is giving the credit where credit is due. It's the Lord. Can I get an amen? If God does anything good through you, he gets all the glory. Amen. Any good in us comes from God. So if you have a gift and you use it and God brings fruit from it to God alone, be all the glory. Amen. And Paul is faithful to point to the Lord. The Lord stood with everyone else bailed, but the Lord stood with me. When you feel alone and when everyone else has abandoned, you know that the Lord never will. Amen. The Lord stands with you. He is for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? He said he stood with me so that the message might come fully through me. The only reason we can do, again, what we're called to do is by the grace of God. That all the Gentiles might hear the word. Also, I might be delivered out of the mouth of lions. Now, some have debated that this was just an example. He was saying, well, you know, this is when a time when Christians were being fed to lions. And they're just basically saying, God delivered me. I think he was actually delivered out of mouths of lions because that's what the Bible says. Can I get an amen to that? I truly believe he was probably headed to have to be thrown to the lions and God delivered him in the midst of it. We are indestructible until God is through with us. Amen. Nobody dies one minute too early or one minute too late. We're all going to die right on time. Amen. God has appointed for man once to live and then to die. And then the judgment. Jesus stands with us when others forsake us. Jesus won't. Psalm 27 says, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. Again, if God is for us, who can be against us. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul knew the Lord would deliver him into heaven. I say this a lot and I want to ask you, how many of you know, you know that you know that you know that you know That when you close your eyes on earth for the last time, you're going to open them up in heaven. Raise your hand. Should that give us peace? Should that bring joy? Can I get an amen to that? Should it make you want to say hallelujah in the middle of the grocery store? Can I get an amen? (laughs) the fact that we're going to heaven. We have the promise of eternal life. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world around us. We're called to be salt and light, but God is in control. God is ever faithful. And guys, we have the promise of heaven. This is but a vapor of time. I can't wait to get to heaven. The promise of heaven brought peace and strength and comfort to Paul's spirit. Even as he faced his last moments, he was penniless. For in a large part, he was friendless. He was possessionless. He was cold. He was without adequate clothing. He was destined to die. Yet knowing that the heavenly reward awaited him, he would not trade places with anybody. He went to Paul in that prison and said, we'll pull you out of here. No, this is where I want to be, where the Lord has me, and I can't wait to see him. I love what he says, to him be glory forever and ever, amen. Paul never boasts. Paul always gives God the glory. May we never boast. Can I get an amen to that? May we never you know, touch not the glory. Amen? To God. And then finally, he finishes off by greeting his friends. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onisiphorus. Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers. I don't have any evidence in scripture, but I have an idea that Paul probably led them to the Lord while they're making tents together. Onisiphorus is a, a Christian who had come to Rome and refreshed Paul. He says, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left, and my lead is sick. Erastus was an earlier travel companion of Paul and Timothy. See, he's remembering all his godly friends. He's remembering those who would walk with him. One of Paul's, these Paul's were traveling companions. Paul, a man used mightily by God to perform remarkable miracles of healing, yet he couldn't heal Trophimus. So when we, people give you that, hey, if you just have enough faith, God has to heal you, uh, that's blasphemous. Can I get an amen to that? Because we don't have faith in faith. We have faith in Christ. Can I get an amen? And God may choose to heal you. Or he may choose to walk with you through the difficulty. Amen? And often God is more glorified walking with us through it. Than delivering us from it. It wasn't because Paul didn't have enough faith. And he says there. Do your utmost to come to me before winter. Ubilus greets you. As well as Pudens, Linus. It's not Charlie Brown's friend, Claudia and all the brethren. And then he says, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Paul's last words reflect a man who simply loved Jesus and received his grace. The Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit, your spirit. Grace be with you all. Amen. The simple truth marked the entirety of his life and his ministry. Grace be with you. That's a great thing to, tell, to, to say to those that you love. Grace be with you. Is there anything better that can be with us than the grace of God? What's the answer? And he writes, grace be with you. And he puts down his pen. And Paul, days, weeks, months later, was beheaded. Closed his eyes on earth and opened him up in glory. You know, I look at people in the Bible like my friends. I feel like Paul's my friend like I know Paul very well because of the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? And I have to admit, I was reading this. I got teary-eyed thinking about Paul dying because you know what it is when Christians serve the Lord and they finish well, and then they go to heaven. Doesn't it just bless you? Can I get an amen to that? And I just love the apostle Paul. So because of what God did in him and through him. So living for the Lord in the last days, Stand for the truth, even as those around you turn their ears away to follow a lie. Fight the good fight. Remind faithful, even as those around you may become faithless. Find comfort in fellowship. Find comfort in fellowship and in the word of God. If you need to be comforted, open your Bible. If you need to be comforted, spend some time with other believers. Amen? Love others enough to warn them about those who would bring them harm and forgive those who have let you down and find strength in the Lord's presence, deliverance and heavenly promise. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly father, we thank you. We praise you for your word. We thank you for the example of Paul that we see in your word. We know it has nothing to do with him and everything to do with you. But Lord, I pray that we would want to live lives sold out and set apart unto you. I pray that for such a time as this, we know you have placed us upon the earth. May we be unashamed of the gospel. May we not Listen to the world. May we not be drawn away by the world. Lord, light the fire again. Bring revival to our hearts. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to be salt and light to a world that so desperately needs you. We pray for divine appointments this week. Give us opportunities this week to share the hope that lies within us. We pray for opportunities to encourage believers and share the truth with people that don't know you. Lord, I thank you for every single person who's here today. May we continue to grow in our relationship with you. I pray we will be closer with you next Sunday. It's closer to you next Sunday than we are today. May we continue to grow in our relationship with you. And Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being here today. I've missed my church family so much. What a blessing, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said.